I'm Mary Richter with Richter Farm and Ranch in Thrall, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. The Texas Tech Veterinary Medicine School in Amarillo has been in full operation for about two and a half years. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll check in on the school's progress. Four Texas congressmen have co-sponsored a bill to help ranchers dealing with predators. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. Agricultural producers in Texas can learn more about how to enhance ecosystem processes on their land at an upcoming regenerative soil health course in New Braunfels. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a preview of that program on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Corn planters are rolling in Texas with the Rio Grande Valley starting a couple of weeks ago, and corn is now going in the ground as far north as the central Texas Blacklands. But some farmers are still waiting for fields to dry out after big rains a few weeks ago. Brian Adamek of Victoria is one of those farmers. Well, about three weeks ago, we had about six inches of rain uh, all along the coast. Then things started to dry out a little bit, and then we had another system come through where we thought we were only going to get a half an inch, and we ended up getting two inches. So we have water standing pretty much everywhere. And that is causing the delay. Well, normally we start planting corn around the 1st of February, if weather permits. Uh, Temperatures are good. Uh, We try to get the corn in by March 15th, and as wet as it is right now, the window's closing very fast. Adamek says he had a wet spring last year, but the rains came later after the crop was planted. We planted on time. It turned real wet after that. Once the corn was up and growing is when we had all the rainfall in March and April. Seems like now it comes all at one time, and then the spigot turns off. So hopefully we can even out a little bit and get some rain in the late spring, early summer is what we hope for. At this point, Adamek says he'll keep the seed in the barn and hope for more sunny days. A black and yellow bumblebee found in Texas could be granted protections under the Endangered Species Act. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced recently it found a petition to list the Southern Plains bumblebee contains substantial information that listing the bee as endangered or threatened may be warranted. The decision means the FWS will conduct a status review on the bumblebee and within the next 12 months will have to determine if the listing is warranted or not warranted. If they find the listing is warranted, FWS will publish a proposal to list the bee in the Federal Register. That opens up a public comment period. The Southern Plains bumblebee can be found in the Midwest, Mid-Atlantic states, and the Plains states from Texas to North Dakota, along with an area in Florida and the Southeast. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
The U.S. trade dispute with Mexico over genetically modified corn is expected to be resolved by the end of the year. That's according to U.S. Chief Agricultural Negotiator Doug McCallop. He says this case is about a lot more than just biotech corn. It's about making sure that nations adhere to the provisions of the trade agreements they've already signed and making sure we stick to science as the underpinning of trade. Mexico buys about $5 billion worth of U.S. genetically modified corn each year, mostly for livestock feed. The Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo has been in operation for about two and a half years. James Hunt checks in on the school's progress. The Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo opened in August of 2021, and with 62 students from that inaugural class beginning clinical rotations this spring, Guy Lana Reagan says things are right on track. That is in line where we thought. The second class, we aim to bring in 80, and we'll have about 80 go to white coat. The third class that is with us now, that's our class size of 100. We're going to stay at 100 and we'll have 100 go to white coat, and then we'll bring in 100 more this August. Now, in terms of achieving benchmarks in an overall sense, is the progress of the Texas Tech Vet School meeting the expectations that were established when the school was being built? It is, and if we look at many of our benchmarks, we're actually ahead of schedule. If we just look at student demand to come here, we had almost 1,000 completed applications for 100 seats. And so our admissions committee had to work extra hard this year just to get down to the 200 or so that we interviewed. And boy, we could have taken uh, 99% of those 200 easily. The size and the competitiveness of the application pool is just growing. And so we're attracting that reputation and more and more students want to come to our program. But in terms of where we are, we're in front on hiring. Uh, We're already expanding some of our parking areas because we've outgrown that. In the building on a day-to-day basis, we have more than 400 people. And so in many respects, we're ahead of schedule, but we're still maintaining the original planned budget. That's Guy Lonerigan, Dean of the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Four Texas congressmen have co-sponsored a bill to help ranchers deal with predators. Jessica Domel has the story. Congress is considering legislation designed to help ranchers dealing with black vultures or other predators killing their calves, kids, and lambs. U.S. Congressman August Pfluger of Texas joins us with more. We've been working really hard on predation. You think about what the impact of feral hogs, some predatory birds, hawks, caracara as an example, coyotes. Um, We raise sheep and goats in the hill country of Texas and Contra County, Kimball County and the surrounding areas. And predation is a big factor there. And we're trying to allow and continue to allow the professionals, those are the ranchers, to do what they need to do to protect kid goats and lambs and their flocks and their herd of cattle and, and other animals. The congressman, along with fellow Texas Congressman Pete Sessions, Roger Williams, and Lance Gooden, co-sponsored H.R. 1437, which is the Black Vulture Relief Act. The act, along with its companion bill in the Senate, S-3358, would allow livestock producers to take black vultures without a permit as long as the take is necessary to protect their livestock. The legislation, if passed, would require ranchers to document the take of black vultures and submit an annual report. 
Currently, black vultures are protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918, making killing them without a permit illegal. Ranchers can obtain a depredation permit from U.S. Fish and Wildlife to take a black vulture that is threatening their livestock, but their permitting process takes time, and the permits limit ranchers to only three to five vultures per year. The House Natural Resources Subcommittee on Water, Wildlife, and Fisheries held a hearing on the House bill. The Senate has referred the legislation to the Committee on Environmental and Public Works. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Farmers and ranchers in Texas can learn more about regenerative agriculture at an upcoming seminar in New Braunfels. Tom Nicoletti has the details. My guest today from Ardmore, Oklahoma is Josh Gascamp. He uh, serves as a regenerative ranching manager in the Noble Research Institute's Producer Guidance Program, where he educates, supports, and guides U.S. farmers and ranchers in regenerative ranch management. And uh, Josh, uh, we are here today to talk about a series of meetings to be held in Texas uh, starting uh, next week, February 21st and 22nd, at the Texas Wildlife Association in New Braunfels, class classroom and field demonstrations that begin at 8 a.m. on that first day to deal with what uh, ranchers can learn about getting more uh, from their land. Give us a general idea of what the topics will be covered. A Noble Land Essentials course really is focused around helping producers manage more in sync with nature. We spend quite a bit of time talking about how to enhance ecosystem processes using a series of principles, which we call the soil health principles. These are just opportunities for us to work work more in sync with nature, but they also really provide some insight and detail about how to make ranchers more profitable. We all have seen the rise in fertilizer prices and things like that. And so this course is really designed to help producers see what goals they have for their ranch and utilize Mother Nature to help achieve those goals. The deadline to register is this Friday, February the 16th, and we must uh, note that Noble Research Institute is the nation's largest independent agricultural research organization and public charity dedicated to uh, regenerating 164 million acres of U.S. grazing lands. More with Josh Gaskamp of the Noble Research Institute on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's time for spring and summer gardening in Texas, but a little bit early, we're talking about preparing. Please join me, John Beckbell, as we talk about getting ready for whole gardens in Texas. And there are three times a year when we see the most colic cases in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. We're heard on over 140 great Texas radio stations. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's time to prepare for spring gardening in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some spring gardening tips. 
Well, home gardening is a big thing for a lot of Texans. And now that we have this inflation and the increasing price of produce, we're seeing a higher interest in people, especially first-time gardeners, thinking about breaking out some ground and planting tomatoes and peppers and the things they like. And that's a few things you need to remember. First of all, home gardens are best located in full sun. And I know you're thinking, well, it's 110 in the full sun, but the sunlight is very important to nearly all of the crops that we like to grow. And when you're getting ready, you're going to break this ground out. If it's brand new, you're going to have a million weeds come up. First thing we recommend is the space. The size of the garden should be only what you can maintain. And you see a lot of information about postage stamp gardens and the fact that you can make a small area very productive if you intensify your time and effort. So don't go out there and break the back 40 thinking that you're going to be able to take care of that and grow all the vegetables you need. Select the plants and, and the produce that you like. We we'll know you like rhubarb, but rhubarb doesn't really grow very well in Texas. You may be from the north and you don't like okra. So first of all, choose the crops that you like, maybe some of those that are the most expensive. We kind of lean towards tomatoes in Texas, and it happens to be one of the hardest crops to grow because they don't like extreme temperatures. Too cool or too hot causes the blooms not to set. So we have narrow windows of production in the spring and in the fall, but there's nothing like the flavor of a homegrown tomato. Remember the yields also. When you think of squash where one plant can produce 50 pounds, you don't need five rows of squash that all come off at the same time unless you're going to share those with your local food bank or church group or whatever. Then that stands to reason. We also like to stagger plant so that not everything comes off at the same time. For instance, squash two to three weeks apart, a small row or whatever. That makes sense that you're getting a longer season of harvest. Pay attention to the weather and time to plan is after frost, of course, for most of your vegetables. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. There are three times a year when we see the most colic cases in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says those are the spring and fall when we get a drastic weather change and in the winter. Although there are several types of colic, the most common type is impaction of the GI tract. An impaction usually occurs regardless of the time of year due to lack of water consumption, which is common with weather change or really cold weather. Dr. Jamie Nichols indicates at Drovers.com that when the temperature drops, the horse's water, of course, gets colder, can freeze, and horses drink less than needed. This restricted water intake causes mild dehydration and allows areas of the intestine to become dry, which decreases movement of the ingesta and allows impaction to develop. Adding table salt to the feed is helpful to encourage water consumption, and table salt is actually better than most electrolytes, as most electrolytes do not have enough salt in them to stimulate water consumption. One option is to add a heated water source for horses during the cold weather, as this may increase drinking. A study conducted by the University of Pennsylvania indicated that horses drank 41% more water when provided continuously heated water compared to offering ambient temperature water. You can use heated buckets or floating de-icers for preventing freezing and keeping your water warmer. Typical signs of colic include decreased appetite, lying down more than normal, pacing, pawing, looking at the abdomen, posturing to urinate unsuccessfully, or rolling. If you think colic is occurring, call your veterinarian, as there is no such thing as a non-serious colic. Treating with anti-inflammatories like banamine is okay, but only after your vet has examined the horse. Treating with drugs without a veterinary exam may allow the symptoms to worsen while you are waiting for the horse to respond. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. 
This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Now back to more Texas Ag Today. Let's check out Wednesday's market wrap-up. We'll start with cattle futures, where we saw losses throughout the trading day. The losses got pretty big around midday, but we recovered somewhat on the close. February live cattle down $1.35, 182.40. April down $1.10, 184 even. June live cattle down $1.42 at 181.12. March feeder cattle down $1.77, 246.22. April feeders down 215, 249.60, with May down 250, closing at 252.95. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet so far. Feedlots here in the Southern Plains asking 184. Box to beef prices mixed Wednesday choice up 18 cents, 292.45. Select down $1.18 at 284.12. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today, Phil Brockenbush, Giddings Livestock. He and his partners sell each Monday there in Giddings. Phil, how did this last sale turn out for you all? It wound up good, Larry. We wound up with 694 total. Cows and bulls were steady to maybe a tick higher than last week. The calf market was steady in spots and, you know, a little higher in spot. Real good day. Walk the pins with me. All right, your steers, 300 back, average 302, brought up to 405. Three to four weights, 307 to $4. Four to five weights, 299 to 335. Five to six weights, 269 to 310, 6 to 7 weights, 260 to 290, 7 to 8 weights, 198 to 250. Your heifer mates, 300 back, average 290, brought up to 375, 3 to 4 weights, 289 to 327 and a half, 4 to 5 weights, 267 to 305, 5 to 6 weights, 247 to 285, 6 to 7 weights, 227 to 250, 7 to 8 weights, 170 to 215. Bull yearlings, 7 to 850 pounds, 170 to 250, 850 to 1,000 pounds, 130 to to 220. Packer bulls, your high yielding bulls, 125 to 139. Medium yielding bulls, a dollar to a dollar 20. The high yielding cows, a dollar to 124. Medium yielding cows, 85 to 95. Little thin cows, 30 to 80. Uh, didn't have many pairs. Had a few little plainer pairs. Uh, brought from 7 to 17.50. And the bread cows, 375 to 17.50. What do you know of for this next go round? You know, I had one guy, he said he got 30 wing calves. He said they've been weaning 90 days. He said they're away from six to eight hundred they're going to get a set of cows i think there's 25 or 30 cows from one guy he lost the lease place he's gonna sell the cows and the calves i think it's just some crossbred cows they'll kind of be middle-aged i think good well tell everybody how to get a hold of you phil yes you can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274 and neighbor looks like that's it for this edition of walking the pens here on the texas farm bureau radio network my name's larry marble good day to you 
Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where Lane Hogs closed higher. February contract up 95 cents, 75.17. The April took a big jump, up 3.45 to close at 84.52. Class 3 milk was lower. February milk down 4 cents, 16.15 a hundredweight. March dropped 45 cents to close at 16.98. The cotton market continues to be on a tear on the old crop contracts. Managed money funds and other speculators buying the market right now, pushing prices higher. March cotton up 196 points to close at 93.48. May cotton up 232 points, 94.38. With new crop December up 98, 84.59 cents. Corn closed lower, hitting new contract lows. These huge stocks that we have on hand and favorable weather in South America continues to push corn prices down. March corn down six and a half, four twenty-four and a quarter. May corn down six, four thirty-seven and a quarter, with the September contract down five and a half, four fifty-three and a quarter. Cheap Russian wheat continues to hang heavy over the wheat complex. Especially on the hard wheat market, Russia just has a lot of wheat on hand. They are selling it cheaper than anyone else on the world market, so it's hard to compete with that, and that pushes our prices down. March Kansas City wheat down six and three quarters, five eighty-seven and three quarters. New crop July down nine and three quarters at five seventy-six. Soft wheat in Chicago at the lowest levels we've seen in the last couple of months. March Chicago wheat down twelve. 585 and a half with new crop July down 13 and a half 584 and a quarter in the energy markets March natural gas down eight cents at a dollar 60 March West Texas crude down a dollar 23 76 64 a barrel the financial markets higher on Wednesday afternoon the Dow was up 151 points 38,424. The Nasdaq up 203, 15,859, with the S&P up 47 at 5,000 even. That's a look at our markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.